So this is the first Sunday of the month, which we have as a, as a, as more of a, we call it a prayer and worship Sunday. We try and have longer to worship in the second half. And so I'm going to be sharing for about 15 minutes and then uh, Esther and the band are going to lead us into more worship. And, uh, we, we deliberately want to have that, that extra space. There's so much that we want to do when we're together as church. We want to have communion together. We want to have time for prayer ministry. There's so many things to try and squeeze in. So this is one of our ways that we can have more prayer within a service on a, on a Sunday. And as we, uh, and, and then the, the teaching bit we normally have is something that's maybe sort of coaching around lifestyle or around prayer. So I think it was last month, I think we had Christy sharing from Celebrate Recovery and he was speaking a bit into some, into one of the steps within Celebrate Recovery and how that helps us. Um, and today I wanted to, I wanted to kind of help us think about how we position ourselves. Hello Hannah. <laughs> nice to see you from South Africa. Um, uh, how do we, how do we position ourselves um, with relation to the with relation to the new year? And I, I love that we sung that song about Abraham and all through history because uh, we're going to be looking a little bit at Abraham. I'm really going to do really going to do three things this morning in this in this 15 minutes. Um, firstly, so a little bit about about how we live in relationship with the Bible. Then we're going to look a little bit at, at, at Jesus' disciple Thomas, and then we're going to look at the life of Abraham. And, and all of that, I'm hoping, will, will help us to posture ourselves for this year, um, this year ahead. So, to start with, um, to start with the, the Bible, I watched a brilliant little video. I don't know, have you, have the people who here come across the Bible Project? Yeah. I really, it's an incredible gift to the, to the world, to the church. There was no, I don't think there was nothing like it before it came along. And it just makes the Bible so accessible. It's, I would just really recommend it. Brilliant videos. Have a look at the website, bibleprojects.com or .org or something. Um, I was watching one yesterday, a little video yesterday about the kind of literature that, that the Bible is. And uh, Tim Mackey, the guy that, 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 that kind of leads the teaching, he was saying that the, the, he was talking about how the Old Testament particularly is deliberately actually quite sparse, quite scarce on detail. And um, so like you're reading the, the account of Adam and Eve and the snake in the garden. And, and, it, and there's, 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 there's hardly any detail. All these questions, like, where, who is this snake? Where does he come from? Where does he go afterwards? How can he speak? There's, there's hundreds of questions that you have. And, and you see that right the way through, like, particularly the book of Genesis. We're just kind of left hanging with like, what's, go, what's going on? And, um, and the, the design is, Tim Mackey explains, this, this, this Hebrew meditation literature is that we're designed, we're, we're, the intention is that we, we live in these scriptures, we live in these passages, we read them over and over again and, and, and uh, through our lives and we, and we kind of meditate on them, we chew on them and as we do that we actually become part of the story. It's not designed to be an abstract story that we just read. God's intention is that the Bible leads us into relationship with God. And so, so we, we get to relate to Adam and Eve, don't we, as we, as we read that and we can see our, our own brokenness and, uh, and connection and, 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 you know, and, and beauty. We, we see all those things as we, as we navigate that. So I love this. So when we come to Abraham uh, shortly, um, I want us to be just aware that the God's intention of how we interact with these people through history that are in the Bible um, we can meditate on them, we can chew on them, and as we do so, that helps us to draw into God's story ourselves. And then, um, and then we come on to say something about Thomas as well. So, similarly, in Jesus' teaching, you might expect, great, God's come to earth to make everything 
obvious to reveal God to humanity. You, you know, suddenly everything that's mysterious and confusing and baffling will just make sense. But actually, the way that Jesus speaks so much of the time leaves people with more questions than they than they came with, doesn't it? So, so the people come with him with the really direct answers, like or Nicodemus, you know, a big a big teacher. You know, just just tell me this: is it a yes or a no? Is it is it what are the three steps to do this? And Jesus responds by telling him a story, um, which which just changes his life, and he's like never the same again. And he, and he's and he's so drawn in to, to follow Jesus, but he doesn't give him a straight answer, and. And so often Jesus uses these stories, these parables, these cryptic explanations of who God is and what God's like. And we see this in like, I, I, just reading as well, there's a time in, in John chapter 14 when, when um, Jesus is starting to say to his followers, to his disciples, I'm going to die and I'm going to leave. And he's starting to explain this to them and they, they find it hard to understand. And um, Thomas comes to him and says, that, that "How do we how do we know where to go? How do we how are we going to follow you? How, you know, which way? Which wh- where is it?" He kind of wants a map or a kind of a timeline or a, a, a few steps to, to get there. Um, and Jesus doesn't respond with that, <laughs> and um, doesn't doesn't answer that question. I'll come back in a minute to to what he does come to. But and, and, and we see with Thomas another time uh, after Jesus has died and risen from the dead. Jesus appeared to his disciples, uh, to some of them, and they've seen him. But Thomas wasn't there. Thomas wasn't there at that time when Jesus appeared. And he says, I, I, can't, I, I don't believe you that Jesus has risen from the dead. I, I don't think that's possible. I'll believe you if I can see his hands and see the scars in his hands. And then as he's speaking, Jesus, Jesus appears and, and, and shows him that these are the scars in my hand. And, and, and this, man, this man, Thomas, is a, is, a, is a changed man, we'll see. So going back to the John 14 um, Thomas is wanting this clarity. He's wanting this, like, how do I do this? What's the route map? Um, you know, where do I go? How do I get to the Father? And Jesus' response to to Thomas's questions is doesn't offer him a kind of map, but he offers him a relationship. And he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, no one comes to the Father except through me." So, so it's it's a relationship that Jesus offers to Thomas rather than a three point plan or a you know, a schedule. I think so many of, I, I would relate to this. If God just told me these were the instructions, I'd probably just say thanks and I'd be off, you know, and I'd just get, get the job done, get the task done. But by, but by not doing that, what God does is he, is he draws us into relationship with him. You know, I, I think so often in those parables and these encounters you see with Jesus, people leave them. Yes, they're confused, <laughs> but they're also really hungry for more. And they're, draw- and they're drawn closer to, to God. So I want us to have this in mind as we're thinking about um, the year that we're going into. Um, some of us would like to have a, a clear, what does 2024 look like? God, what is your plan for my life? How can I, what are my steps to success and, 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 and fruitfulness? And um, whilst he, he does, you know, planning, I'm not saying planning is a, is a wrong or a bad thing, but I think the bigger call of God to us is, hey, come and walk with me. Put your, your confidence in me. Leave every, leave, leave the things that are propping you up and giving you comfort, false comfort, and instead lean your whole weight upon me. And, and that, and that is how you do, that's how you thrive in life. And I love that Thomas went on and did that, didn't he? So, um, he went on and he, and he, and he followed the way, the truth, and the life. And, um, people were pretty, I, I think historians and, and, and Bible scholars are quite strong agreement that Thomas started the church in India. He went over to India, 
started the church there, brought Jesus to that part of the world and was killed, was a, was a, was a martyr for his faith in India. So, and I want to just finish now by looking a little bit at Abraham. So there are Bibles on your tables and, and hopefully within reach. Could you get one? Um, get a Bible. Uh, and we're going to Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to look a little bit at the beginning of the life of Abraham. So Genesis is the first book in the Bible. Chapter 12 is near the beginning. Um, just to give you a bit of context for Abraham. So he's pretty near the beginning of the Bible. And what's happened so far, you've had Genesis 1, 2, and 3, is that the creation of the world, Adam and Eve, the apple, um, the fall. And then you have a few more chapters. Then you get into Noah and the flood, Genesis 6, 7, 8, 9. Then there's a few more bits. Then there's Tower of Babel, and then there's Abraham. So it's quite it's quite early. Uh, God speaks to this man Abraham, and Abraham then goes on to be um, uh, the father of uh, Israel, and the, the, all Jewish people today can trace their heritage back to that man Abraham, who was um, the first uh, God called him to start this nation. So that that's just a little overview of Abraham. So we're going to look now at when God first speaks to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And I'm going to read it from verse 1. Then the Lord told Abraham, Leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous, and I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. So we don't know exactly how God, this is like, again, a bit lacking in detail. How did God speak to Abraham? What did he do? Did he speak to him in a dream? Was it an audible voice of God? Did he, was it a vision? Was it just a sort of inner hunch? Um, how, how, we don't know how, how God spoke to Abraham, but it was clearly in a way that Abraham thought, actually, I know this is God. I believe this is God. And, um, and he acted as a result. He, he, he did it. He went. He, he followed, he lived in, in obedience to this voice. And, and he left. And I think it's, it's pretty audacious. So this is a man, age 75, doesn't have any children of his own. And God says to him, I'm going to make you into a nation. I'm going to make into a great nation who will bless others. All families of the, of the earth will be blessed through you. And he's 75 years old. So that's pretty audacious. Let's read on. Abraham took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people who had joined his household at Haran, and, they, and finally arrived in Canaan. Traveling through Canaan, they came to a place near Shechem and set up camp beside the oak at Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give this land to your offspring. And Abraham built an altar there to commemorate the Lord's visit. After that, he traveled south, set up camp on a, in a hill country between Bethel and Ai on the east, and there he built another altar and worshipped the Lord. And then he travels on. And what my observation in that little section, a couple of things, is... Um, so he's, he's moving in obedience to what God's told him. And, uh, and, and God speaks to him again. And God says, this is the land, the land that you're in now. So more of the story, more of the 
uh, revelation is, is shared with Abraham as he's moved out in this. And so that's, that's one thing. And the other thing is the way that Abraham is living this life that is devoted to God. So he goes to the first place and he builds an altar there. Builds a, that's the way, you know, worshipping in the style and the way that they did at the time. Um, but he expresses his devotion to God by building this altar, travels on, builds an altar. He's a man of, he's a man of devotion to God. And then in the next, next section, we're going to read the next half of this chapter as well. But it actually, you know, things start to go wrong. <laughs> and it's, um, and I find this quite encouraging, um, that things go wrong for Abraham. It, you know, that's, that's encouraging for us. Life isn't just a straight line, easy. We're not suddenly following Jesus and, and, and therefore we never encounter any challenges. Let's see how this challenge works out for Abraham. At that time, there was a severe famine in the land. So this is from verse 10. As, uh, so Abraham went down to Egypt to wait it out. As he was approaching the borders of Egypt, Abraham said to Sarai, you're a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is, her, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. But if you say you're my sister, then the Egyptians will treat me well because of their interest in you. And they'll spare my life. And sure enough, when they arrived in Egypt, everyone spoke of her beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they, sorry, when the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to their king, the Pharaoh, and she was taken into his harem. Then Pharaoh gave Abraham many gifts because of her, sheep, cattle, donkeys, male and female servants and camels. But the Lord sent a terrible plague upon Pharaoh's household because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. So Pharaoh called for Abraham and accused him sharply. What is this you've done to me, he demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why were you willing to let me marry her, saying she was your sister? Here is your wife, take her and be gone. So Pharaoh then sent them out of the country under armed escort, Abraham and his wife, with all their household and belongings. What I love about that is that, um, is that Abraham doesn't have a lot of revelation at this point about God's sort of moral Code. Does it, where do, this is before he doesn't have the, te- the teaching of Moses or the teaching of Jesus about you speak the truth and you, know, you don't deceive, you don't lie. He, he, he's living before all that kind of comes, and so he lies to lies to Pharaoh and, and deceives him. But but God's working within that paradigm that that Abraham is living within, and uh, and you can just see God's grace and God's goodness and God's favor that covers Abraham's deceitfulness and, and you know and and uh, and. And Abraham comes out of uh, that encounter with Pharaoh richer than he went in, you know, in a time of famine. And uh, I, I just love that, that grace, that, that weaving of grace and God's goodness um, through Abraham's life. So we're going to pause there and just want to just want to kind of leave those, leave that account of Abraham with you. Um, I'm going to put, I'm going to project onto the ceiling as we worship um, some verses from Hebrews chapter 11. And that's kind of a, an epic bit of the, of the Bible that describes some of the people of faith um, through the Old Testament. And uh, and some of them you know, had a really hard time. Actually, their life was, was hard. And they, and they died without seeing um, the blessing and the breakthrough that they'd been living for. And, uh, and so it's gritty and it's real. And I think, and I think that's helpful for us as well, having a realism about the life of the life of following Jesus. Um, it isn't a straight line of joy and, and ease and comfort and everything working. And um, uh, you know, my experience of, of following Jesus is that 
I would want no other life. There's, there's nothing, you know, there've been some very good times, there's been some very hard times and a lot in between. But, but, you know, having met Jesus, I would in no way get, want anything else other, other than that. And the, the adventure of following him is, 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 is so rich, the incredible thing about, about knowing God. But, um, but it's costly and it costs us our whole life. And we, we, we enter into it as we give our everything to God. So, um, why don't we, as the band come, do you want to come up, Esther and Co. and, and Rob and, and so on, and, and Rob, uh, come and lead us in, in worship. And, um, and as we do, my encouragement is let's take this as an opportunity to uh, devote ourselves to God this year. Like Abraham, um, in his different contexts, he expressed his devotion to God. Let's, let's, as we sing, as we worship, say, God, I just give you my life this year. I trust you. I, 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 I'll, I'll lay things down. I'll, I'll, I'll give things up or I'll, I'll take things on. Uh, I'll take risks. I'll take challenge. I'll, if you're calling me to move somewhere, I'll move. Um, let's, let's, uh, Let's do that. And don't, you know, and, and, and these kind of conversations, these kind of, these kind of prayers and these kind of commitments and things aren't something we just do lightly. They're, they're conversations, they're ongoing. And I bet, you know, there's several months of Abraham's life in there. There'd probably been a grappling and like, do we really go? Who do we take with us? My, about my dad, he's, he's in his old age. Should, should we really leave him on his own? There would have been all this grappling, um, that we don't see in the detail of the, of, of the, of the accounts here. But, um, so as we worship, we could, we could give our lives uh, and, and our year ahead to God and ask him to, to speak to us in these coming weeks, uh, days, weeks, months. Uh, show us the... And, 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 and you know, we're in this series from last last year um, about the kingdom of God. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that stuck with me out of it is that the kingdom starts with a small, a small seed and it grows into a big tree. And uh, see, we had Silas and Annie's, Silas Crawley's, Mum's Thanksgiving service here, so, so um, uh, a few months ago, and just thinking about her life and the fruit that's come from her life as she's um, been a woman of God, following Jesus, and, and the fruit that's come over many years um, is an example, I think, of that small seed. Um, so, actually, I, can I just quickly show one more encouragement? Um, I, I'm, someone emailed us uh, in the office last year and said, um, "I've got some questions about Christianity." Can someone help me with these questions? So I met up with him and um, talked through some of his questions. And I said, and I kind of ended it really by saying, I can answer your questions and I can give you these reasons for stuff. You know, it's the things like suffering, other religions, you know, all, all, all these, all these big, big questions that we all grapple with. Um, and I said, but actually the best thing you can do is you can just try it. You can just try following Jesus. You, you can hear all of the theory and um, you can have all these answers. And, and, and you know, but, but really you don't, you don't really know what we're talking about unless you have a go. And then I met up with him a few months later, and he said, I've been doing it. I thought I'd have a go. I've been praying. I've been reading the Bible. He said, I'm having the most amazing time. I'm getting to know God. And it was, uh, and this is the same essence of, I think, what, what we're saying here. This was the journey of Thomas. This is the journey of Abraham. Um, it, it's getting in there and giving ourselves wholeheartedly to God and, and walking the faith journey, and, and, it, and it becomes clear. And it's, and it's a beautiful journey. So I want to encourage you, give Jesus your whole life. Just give him everything. Um, there's nothing better that we can do with our lives. There's nothing more valuable. And there's nothing more exciting. It's, it's, a, it's the best life that we can live. It's not easy, but we're here to cheer each other on and to celebrate each other. So um, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna worship. And uh, that's a good space to, to pray and give yourself. And there'll be some verses appearing on the ceiling if that works for you.